Hello, and welcome to Speaking of Psychology, a podcast produced by the American Psychological Association. I'm your host, Kim Mills. Speaking of Psychology is a podcast for anyone with an interest in the science of psychology. We talk to psychological researchers, practitioners, and educators about any and every aspect of psychology and its application to the world around us. Dr. John Blythe is research associate at the Dawes Center for Future Crime at University College London, where he works on the Consumer Security Index part of the Petrus Internet of Things Research Hub. The Petrus Internet of Things Research Hub is a consortium of nine leading United Kingdom universities that are working together over three years to explore critical issues in privacy, ethics, trust, reliability, acceptability, and security. Dr. Blythe previously held positions at the UCL Center for Behavior Change, the Department for Digital Culture, Media, and Sport, and PACT Lab at Northumbria University. His research focuses on exploring behavior change and cybersecurity. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Blythe. Thank you for having us. So the Center for Future Crime, that's a kind of an intriguing name. What does that mean to study future crime? So the Center for Future Crime, we seek to focus essentially on horizon scanning. What are the crimes that may arise from technological change or societal changes of the future and try to design out, design out these risks through um, policy and regulation. So your research looks at security issues around the Internet of Things. Could you explain for people what the Internet of Things is? Certainly. So the Internet of Things is essentially everyday objects with the ability to connect to and exchange data over the Internet. And it includes many different objects from Fitbits to Amazon Alexas, smartwatches, all the way up to connected dishwashers, connected thermostats. And it's essentially the ability to use these products via the internet and it gives us many different affordances such as in the case of thermostats it would be um, personalized heating services based on our behavior and habits. Why should we be concerned about the security around the internet of things? These devices are in our home, they may be connected to a boiler, they may be connected to a critical function in our house such as a smoking alarm. And if, if these are interconnected, it means that a hacker can potentially exploit that device. So if you think about the boiler example, it could potentially be hacked and the fire could be caused, and that could potentially lead to loss of life. So it's no longer just thinking about security and the privacy of our personal data, but it's also our well-being and potential life as well that can be exploited by these inherently insecure devices. And so what can be done to make them more secure? So at the minute, manufacturers simply aren't given enough consideration to the security of IoT. They are shipping these products out with essentially market failures. An example of some of these market failures are that a lot of these products can't be updated, so a vulnerability may be found in a product, but a large portion of the population may already purchase that product, and there's nothing the consumer can do about that. They now have a product that can't be updated anymore. And that's an example of one of the market failures. And what we call it in crime studies is a crime harvest, which is where an innovation is introduced into society, and um, there's not given adequate consequences of the crime. So the same thing happened when we started using vehicles. Vehicles were designed, but they weren't designed with crime in mind. So what happens is that the criminals will start to reap the crime harvest. They recognize the potential opportunities that can be afforded by the lack of security of the innovation. And then what then happens is that we recognize the potential crime consequences and then try to design out that crime. And what incentives do manufacturers have to make these products more secure at this point? 
at this point, there's very little incentive for manufacturers to take this seriously, which is why we're not really seeing manufacturers actually ship these products with security inbuilt, or in the UK, we call it security by design, making sure that the security is baked into the product before you ship it out to consumers. What manufacturers are doing is they're putting all the burden on the consumer, expecting the consumer to protect the device, to change lots of passwords, to change all the settings, to essentially make the consumer protect the product rather than them shipping it um, with better security in the first place. So I understand that some of the research you've done is around labeling. Can you yeah. talk about what, what that means? How, how should these products be labeled? So, so, so the labeling scheme, which is called the Consumer Security Index in our project, is it's part of the UK government's initiative to improve the security of these products. So March this year, the UK government, specifically the Department for Digital Culture, Media and Sport, who are in charge of the cybersecurity policy, announced their Secure by Design for Consumer IoT report, which outlined the government measures for improving the security of these devices. Primarily, this was a code of practice that manufacturers should follow to ensure that these products are secure by design, but a supplementary measure was to explore the role of the labelling scheme to, first, aid consumer choice, because at the minute, if you were to go and buy a smart device, for example, a smart kettle from, from a store, there's no way for you to make a distinction between a secure product and an insecure product. So the label would help you make that choice and that decision. The second intention of the label is to actually incentivize manufacturers to actually ship these products for security in the first place, otherwise potentially risk reputational damage. Do consumers have any idea at this point how insecure these products are? So a lot of the research lately has suggested that the main barrier to adoption of the Internet of Things is security and privacy concerns. We know that the com people are concerned about how their data may be used from these products and how that may be shared with third-party companies, but it's, people aren't readily protecting themselves. So recently, there's some stats by Cisco which found that 50% of people see the value in IoT, only 10% of them actually think their data is secure, but 42% would continue using the products anyway. And it's what, what's called, in the research, a privacy paradox. People value their privacy, but they don't readily take any action to protect it. And there's a number of reasons for this. Botnet called the Mirari botnet, which was essentially hundreds and hundreds of thousands of exploited IoT devices that took down Netflix and Twitter and disrupted service access to these, to these products. So it's not really happening to consumers so much at this point. They're, they're targeting major corporations from what you're seeing. They're mainly being used in what we would call a strategic risk, where they're being used to take down a, a company or a, or a service provider. Not so much. We haven't seen many attacks against consumers themselves. What should consumers be worried about? I mean, I, I'm just imagining, and I've said this before to yeah. my friends and colleagues, you know, you get a smart TV, you watch it, it watches you back. Yeah, What's it doing with this? So the smart TV example, um, a couple of years ago it was announced, well, it was revealed actually that governments were potentially, well, the secret agencies of the government would, were potentially, could potentially take sensitive data from the microphones in your smart TVs, which could reveal quite private conversations that you may be having with family members. So that there's that aspect to it, the, the privacy side of, of your life, but also, like I said earlier, the, the safety side as well. If it's a children's toy that's connected to the internet and a predator can potentially talk to your child, you know, that's very, that's very concerning. Well, it sounds like there are implications for law enforcement, you know, where they might start 
asking if they can get records from these corporations, yeah. uh, you know, say you're suspected yeah. of some kind of a crime. I mean, is this what consumers should be thinking about right now as they're purchasing these, these items? Yeah, and the, that, that, has, that has happened. There is an example of this in America where the, they have used data from, from a guy's Fitbit to show that he committed his, the murder of his wife. Scary stuff. Yeah. Um, are there particular devices that we should be leery about? And I'm thinking, I mean, one, one device that's out there right now that kind of, yeah. I have to say, gives me the creeps is the um, Amazon is distributing this lock system right, that yes. you can, you supposedly can watch the delivery person arrive at your house, but basically that person can go in your house to leave a package. Is that the kind of thing we should be concerned about? Yeah, so I think there's the concerns in terms of what what is the kind of device? Is it linked to something that's safety critical? For example, your your front door? Is it linked to something that maybe have a heating element, such as your boiler, or something that may um, be security related, such as your security cameras? I think people should be concerned about potentially what is it, what is the device linked to? What might it reveal about your house, your your occupancy? For example, smart thermostats can let somebody know whether you're in the house or not, and that can be used to facilitate burglaries and other crimes as well. What are the next steps for you in terms of the research that you're doing? So we're looking to work with the UK government to develop a labelling scheme. Um, it's going to be co-designed with both experts and consumers, because we need, so the consumer side of it is working with consumers to understand their preferences around what they want communicated on a label. Do they what value do they see in a labelling scheme? Would it actually influence their, their behaviour? But also working with experts to actually identify the underpinning technical content of the label because we're assessing objectively what security means. So all of our work is a lot more on the technical side of that. We're also running a series of experimental studies to look at the design aspects of the label and whether that nudges people's behaviour and whether it would actually lead to them purchasing a more secure product. Because ultimately, we want the label to act as a market lever and as a market differentiator so that people would be nudged to buy a more secure and private device than a one that, that isn't. But your work is focused on the UK, right? So I yes. mean, as far as the United States, are we doing anything similar here? So the UK government is in talks and collaboration with the USA because recognizing that actually these products are built across a global supply chain. They're not made primarily in the UK, they're made across the world, so it's very important that uh, governments do collaborate. Um, the UK government are looking at consumer IoT and have released reports on this. What Internet of Things products do you have in your home? I don't own any. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess you, you would know. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to, I mean, I've been very negative here, I don't want to scare people into not no. buying these products, but there is a huge potential crime risk associated with these sure. devices. And particularly, not. I mean, the major manufacturers like Apple, Amazon, they do take security seriously. So if you're going to buy an IoT device, maybe go for one of the bigger providers rather than a cheaper one by a manufacturer who don't, who don't have the competency to, A, to uh, understand security and B, bake it into the product. Given what's happened recently with Facebook, for example, can we trust these manufacturers? I mean, that's one of the biggest corporations in the world, and yet, yeah. you know, their, their data, who knows where it went. Exactly. I, I don't want to say don't, don't trust these companies. I think, people, I think what needs to happen is that there needs to be a better way for people to understand what's happening with their data and not to rely on people to read terms and conditions because 
it's just impossible to expect people to read that. People just tick the box and then they move on. So how are people ever going to really be, be able to um, to protect themselves, with, protect their personal data, if we're relying on people to um, read those terms and conditions? In the UK, in the EU, we have the upcoming GDPR legislation, which mm-hmm. is, is a really good piece of legislation. It's going to put more power back to consumers around how their personal data is used. And hopefully that will start to see attraction towards privacy being taken more seriously as we are more internet connected. Anything else you'd like the public to know about the work that you're doing? Ultimately, we want the label scheme, because, the, because governments aren't regulating the other things, they're not enforcing manufacturers to actually ship these products with security built in. The UK government have said that if manu- they are giving manufacturers the opportunity to address this through their, the code of practice in the UK government, and if they aren't going to address it, then they might, they might look at regulation and force the manufacturers to do it. But in the absence of that, we need, for example, the labelling scheme to actually help people make a distinction between a secure and insecure product. Otherwise, there's no way for people to actually make that product choice unless they're going to go out and research the security of the product, which the average consumer probably won't do. All right. Well, you've given us a lot to think about. Yeah. Thank you very much for joining us today, Dr. Thank Blythe. you very much. Speaking of Psychology is part of the APA Podcast Network, which includes other great podcasts such as APA Journals Dialogue about the latest and most exciting psychological research and Progress Notes, which discusses the practice of psychology. You can find all APA podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also go to our website, www.speakingofpsychology.org, to listen to more episodes and see more resources on the topics we discuss. I'm Kim Mills with the American Psychological Association, and this is Speaking of Psychology.